Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So I have, um, it's a thought catalog article, and it's by Jim Goad, and it's um, letters from actual stalkers. Ew. Creepy. I know, right? So the first one is The Westfield Watcher, a series of letters sent from June to July to the purchasers of a $1.3 million dream house in Westfield, New Jersey, terrified the new owners to the point that they have never moved in. Um, there's ex- expert ex- excerpts. 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 From the letters. <laughs> says, the home has been a subject of my family for decades. I have to be put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is my time now. Why are you here? I will find out. And uh, now that they have to flaunt it, they have to pay the price. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make a 657 Boulevard unhappy. I guess that must be the address. Do you need to fill the house with young blood I requested? Once I know their names, I will call them and draw them to me. I ask the woods to bring me young blood. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time they will. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought me. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom, then I can plan better. All the windows and doors of 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you through the house. Who am I? I'm the watcher and have been control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. You have to change it and made it so fancy. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed the halls. When I ran from room to room, imagining the life of the rich occupants there, and now I watch, watch and wait for the day when they, uh, the young blood will be mine. It almost makes you think that it's somebody playing a joke. Yeah, but I think they, because I think that's what they thought in the beginning, and you know, you can look up, it goes into much deeper detail. Yeah, I've heard the stories before. But... I think they got, they, they thought it was a joke at first, and then they started talking to people around, you know, and I don't know. I think it, it, it was like a series of letters for years. Mm. It's just weird. And I believe in some of the letters they indicated, or they, they named their children's names like they... Oh, that's not... Yeah, they, it, it scared them to the point where they never moved in the well, house. Yeah, so. it would scare me too. Yeah. Okay, the second one, if you are a girl and have a pit bull terrier, stop. In 2014, the following printed note was found on a dog walking trail in British Columbia. Police interviewed the woman they believe was the note's target by the author's identity, uh, but the author's identity remains a mystery. A picture of the original note follows the text. It says, if you are a girl and have a pit bull terrier, stop. This message is for a certain young lady who owns multiple pit, t- pit bull terriers. So if this is not you, cease reading. I see you nearly every lunch hour of mine in here. You seem to have three or four dogs, two black ones and one uh, and a brindle along with a mongrel. 
I am not as of yet familiar with. Perhaps it belongs to a friend. Yesterday you were in here with a, with a friend and with a brown dog in the mongrel. Every time I see you coming, I want to approach you and introduce myself. Instead, I find myself overcome by shyness and jumping off the trail and watching you from afar. But yesterday, I slipped up and almost came out to say hello, but thought better of it. I was so close, and you could smell my cologne. I was close enough to hear you ask your friend if she smelled cologne, and I stopped to watch you and oh, and I I stopped. I watched you stop and smell the air. You reminded me of a tiny fox the way you lifted your face and scented the air. I know that your dog saw me because the hair on its back stood up. That's not good. <laughs> I watched you grab your dog before he could bolt into the woods, thankfully for me, as it is a very big dog. I'm very impressed every time I see you in the woods. You seem to realize when you're being watched, but perhaps your very large, aggressive-looking dogs, plus the bear spray and the concealed knife I know that you carry, give you a sense of security. However, you obviously have sharp senses, as every time that you stop and look around yourself, I feel as if I'm almost caught. I just wanted to tell you I think you're very beautiful and have a beautiful body. I do not intend for this message to scare you, as it shouldn't. I only hope that one day I, have, I am courageous enough to come out and say hello. I realize that other people who read this might, fi might find it creepy. <laughs> you think? <laughs> But you seem to be smart enough to know the difference, and frankly, it is no one else's business. Whatever. Oh, my God. That's creepy as fuck. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Someone's staring at you from the woods? Ugh. Creepy. Okay, next one is Philly's Hottest Blonde, threatened by a man who lives with his mommy. In March 2008, bikini model Courtney Reppert who was once named Philly's Hottest Blonde, started receiving threats via Facebook and email from a 47-year-old uh, Louis Placenza of Chicago who lived with his mom like so many stalkers do. And all caps psycho nuggets he sent to Rippert uh, include the following gleaming pearls. I hope you die in an automobile accident and it crushes your ugly face through the windshield and a large piece of glass cuts your throat. You just pissed me off. I will fucking kill you. Do you understand me? I wanted you before about doing, uh, I warned you before about doing this and will continue my wrath until you step down as a model, go back to college and move back near your family in Philly. Who the fuck is this person I thinks don't he is? fucking know. Dick. Next one, to Miss Whitney Houston. Please keep smiling. In 1988, FBI report details the 66 letters that a man who described himself as sort of a loner sent to now-deceased pop star Whitney Houston. None of the letters were answered. Here are excerpts from four of them. To Miss Whitney Houston. Miss Whitney, you are a beautiful lady and a beautiful person. I really and truly am in love with you. Please believe in life and in love and trust in yourself and in your friends and trust in God. Miss Whitney, you are a special person with a wonderful gift. Please keep singing and helping people to be happy. But most of all, Miss Whitney, please keep smiling. Uh, to Miss Whitney Houston, Miss Whitney, uh, you are just so pretty and so beautiful. 
I cannot stop thinking about you. Many times when I think about you, I will start to shake. Miss Whitney, I, what am I doing wrong? I am in love with you. I tr really and truly am in love with you. <laughs> Whitney, please, please give me a chance. <laughs> Whatever you decide to do, could you do one thing at least? Oh, my God. Please keep smiling. Oh, my God. <laughs> to Miss Whitney Houston. I try to write you, but I do just do not know what to say. I think that you are the most beautiful lady that there is in the whole world. Miss Whitney, I am in love with you. I saw a headline for an article in one of those things in the supermarket saying that you were married already. I am sure they made it up, but I almost broke down right then and there, and I have still been sick for the last several days. I cannot stop thinking about it and just shake and feel sick in my gut. Miss Whitney, why can't you respond to my 70-plus letters? <laughs> Miss Whitney, I really am in love with you. Please believe me. You probably think I'm just crazy. Well, maybe I am. I just can't give up. I have to keep trying. I really am in love with you. Hug your kitty cats and smile that pretty smile of yours. Please keep smiling. Oh, my God. Poor Whitney Houston. Gosh, what did he do when she died? Oh, my God. Shit. Okay, next one is a man offers to die for Mark Zuckerberg. In 2011, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg took out a restraining order against 31-year-old Pradeep Manukanda, who had been harassing him up to 20 times daily via email, Facebook, and snail mail. Here is one of his Facebook posts. Dear Mark, I am completely tired and exhausted. I am extremely sorry for bothering you at early hours. Please, Mark, time is really running out for me. Please help me. I really need your help. Please respond in time before I get too uh, before it gets too late for us. I owe entire my life at your service. Please help me. Then I am ready to die for you. These are not just words. These are coming from my heart. Please understand my pain. Once again, I am extremely sorry for everything. Please understand my situation. Please understand the urgency. Time is running out for me. Please do need. Uh, please do the needful thing. I don't. Know. Uh, yours truly, Pradeep. Weird. And the last one is man shoots at president to prove his love for actress. In uh, on March thirtieth, nineteen eighty one, sullen drifter John Hinckley, who'd been. Uh, diligently stalking actress Jodie Foster, wrote the following letter. Later that day, he attempted to kill President Ronald Reagan by shooting him. Reagan was wounded in the attack but survived. So this is March 30th, 1981, 12.45 p.m. Dear Jodie, there is a definite possibility that I will be killed in my attempt to get Reagan. It is for this reason that I am writing you this letter now. As you well know by now, I love you very much. Over the past seven months, I've left you dozens of poems, letters, and love messages in the faint hope that you could develop an interest in me. Although we talked on the phone a couple of times, I never had the nerve to simply approach you and introduce myself. Besides my shyness, I honestly did not wish to bother you with my constant presence. I know the many messages left at your door in your mailbox were a nuisance, but I left that 
but I felt that it was the most painless way for me to express my love for you. I feel very good about the fact that you at least know my name and know how I feel about you. And by hanging around your dormitory, I've come to realize that I'm the topic of more than a little conversation, however full of ridicule, however full of ridicule it may be. At least you know that I'll always love you. Jody, I would abandon this idea of getting Ronald Reagan in a second if I could only win your heart and live out the rest of my life with you, whether it be in total obscurity or whatever. I will admit to you that the reason I'm going ahead with this attempt now is because I cannot wait any longer to impress you. I've got to do something now to make you understand, in no uncertain terms, that I am doing all of this for your sake. By sacrificing my freedom and possibility of life, I hope to change your mind about me. This letter is being written only an hour before I leave for the Hilton Hotel. Jody, I'm asking you to please look into your heart and at least give me the chance with this historical deed to gain your respect and love. I love you forever, John Hankley. Could you imagine someone like that? No. Doing something. That's just... Saying, oh, I'm going to kill this person because of you. Like, yeah. it's, it's to get your attention. That's horrible. And the president of the yeah. United States. Oh, my God. That would be so weird. And I believe, well, well yeah, it said in the letter that he had been, you know, bothering her for a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I think she went to the police, like, immediately and was like, help. Yeah. So, crazy. Weird. All right. I did 20 people recount their town's darkest secret. Okay. We had a kid who went to my high school. His locker was actually right under my girlfriend's at the time. He had long hair and sported the emo look, but it never thought anything of it. One night, my junior year, he stuck out of his house and just walked around looking for open windows. He made his way to house to house until he finally found one cut through the window, and hid in the house. Once he was sure the people inside were asleep, he stabbed them to death. Some ridiculous number of times, cut them open, and then stuffed a bunch of random stuff in their bodies. Oh my god. He was walking around my school for a couple of days before they figured out he did it, because his friends, he told, reported him. He said he wanted to shoot up the school later that year. He won't get out of prison till he's 80 or something. Holy shit, that's fucked. Yeah. Wow. My city's police force is known for the Starlight Tour, where police officers would make aboriginals, would take aboriginals, drive them out of town, and abandon them on the side of the road at night. This came to light when they did this to a teenage boy in the middle of the winter, and he froze to death back in 1990. Oh my god, that's terrible. People, why are people, 1990 wasn't that long ago. People are fucked up. In my neighborhood, there's a guy with two chickens named Larry and Mo. He lives <laughs> right at the entrance of the neighborhood, and Mo likes to climb on the tree beside his house and call out to everyone passing. <laughs> Apparently, male chickens have territorial issues, and no one knows what happened to have Larry piss Mo off, but Mo wasn't having it. Mo apparently chased him and pecked him to death. Oh, my God. Larry was found by his owner and originally thought that Larry was hit by a car. Larry was still somewhat alive at this time, so Larry was taken to the vet. Larry died, and the vet pointed out that his wounds looked like peck wounds. Our neighbor 
knew Mo had to have done it, and Mo sits upon his tree to this day, calling to everyone who passes. Oh my god, that's what's up. (laughs) The giant mud plane is caustic and will eat you if you stand on it. And legally, the giant petrochemical facility nearby is totally not to blame for this. Whoa. Who put Bella in the witch elm? Basically, during the Second World War, some local boys found a woman's skeleton in a hollowed-out tree in some woods. It's supposedly quite a famous horror story. Yeah, I've definitely heard of that. Yeah, me too. During the early 1900s, my town was more or less directly across from another town, split by a lake. The Lake River was a huge trade route, and boats would dock at either city. No big deal, except the railroad railroad moved in and they decided to run it on my town side of the river like clockwork the other vi- the other village dried up some of the few remaining townsfolk gathered up their closest possessions weighed themselves down and jumped into the center of the lake in protest no attempt to recover their bodies was ever made <laughs> down <laughs> just rude <laughs> Down the road, some years, we put in a dam, and it's a local historical fact that they just covered what remained of the town with water. I learned this from a news article and finding out that the local university has the personal journal of that town's mayor at the time. I wanted to sonar that lake for years. Is that the lake you were talking about last week? I don't know. I need to figure that out because that seems cool. I watched a show on it, and mm. they were, like, diving in there. That is cool. And it was, like, just a city. Oh, my god! Under the water. And why didn't they at least get those people? I by? know. Oh, my it's God. Like, people are so fucked up. And I wonder when that was. Maybe it was, like, a long time ago. When the, oh, early 1900s. Still. Still. That... <laughs> Like, we're protesting. <laughs> like, all right. Okay. Later. Sorry about you. <laughs> so rude. <That's> so rude. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, dumbasses. See you later. Oh, we don't have to feed them. That's great. <laughs> Less mouths to feed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. People are so stupid. <laughs> Where I'm from in Canada, long ago, authorities would round up homeless people and auction them off as slaves. What? Yeah. There's an edit. Here you go, everyone. Took me a while, but I finally found a reference for it. They put a very nice spin on it, but when you see it in person, well, let us just say I've never seen a farmhand in chains when he was being hired for the job. Oh my god, that's horrible. Our mayor ordered an airstrike on an inner city block, ordered the fire department to let the fire burn, and police to shoot anyone that tried to escape. That's great. I wonder if that's that same story I did last week where they threw that bomb on the... Oh Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I was reading that. Oh my gosh, if it's not, then they've done that multiple times. I can't say that I'm... I would be surprised at that. I know, that's so fucked up. Not actually a secret, more of a dark part of town history. I live in Eastern Europe, and during the Nazi occupation, there was a ghetto established in the town. 
Some of the fortresses surrounding the city were turned into prisons and mass murder sites that the population of the said ghetto died in. There was one day during which 10,000 people were killed in one fortress, almost half of them children. There were 37,000 Jews before the Nazi occupation in the city. After, there were 3,000. Holy shit. I don't live there anymore, but Apple Creek, Ohio has a very large complex, maybe 15 to 20 acres, that used to be known as the Apple Creek Development Center, commonly called the ACDC. I know, I know. <laughs> it was a home for mentally challenged people. This is a story I heard about it from a local police officer. It was established back when having a mentally challenged person in your family was considered shameful, and the residents there were treated thusly. Families would drop off their sons and daughters and pretend they never even had those children. The abuse these people received was horrible. Lobotomies, electroshock therapy, sleep depri deprivation. People would be beaten daily, starved, congregated in rooms for days with no access to toilets, horror movie stuff. Many people died. Apparently, one woman who had put her son in their care had second thoughts, so she went back to get him and found what was going on there. She got the police and the news involved. Management and doctors went to prison for murder or manslaughter. A new director was installed, and this guy completely turned the ACDC around. It became the model facility for homes for people with mental disabilities. Kind staff, top medical care, exercise room, good food, even simple jobs that the residents could do to make money for themselves. But here's where it gets weird. It started to lose funding, and there was no way the facility could keep running. One day, everyone vanished, both residents and staff. They left everything from the lights on, to the water in the swimming pool, to food in the fridge, to, med to medical supplies on the counters. There was no gradual exodus. One day, fully populated, next day, a ghost town. Students at the nearby college liked to trespass at night looking for ghosts. Apparently, there are frequent sightings. What the fuck? I don't know. Where'd they go? I don't know. Weird. That anybody who investigates the mayor or town councils ties to a major corruption case with our city fiber optic utility turns up dead. Nine so far. Whoa. That's weird. Yeah. A teenage girl was found chopped up in a suitcase in one of these apartments above the restaurant I'm working at. Holy shit. Back in the 70s, early 80s, there was a weird Christian cult known as the Community. They described themselves as an offshoot of the Jesus movement. They practiced com communal living. The nucleus of each house would be a married couple with single college students living as an extended family. There was a pap Baptist church with a dwindling base. They infiltrated and took over control of the church. The church leaders then voted to become a non-denominational church because they didn't want to have any outside oversight. At some point, the group decided to buy an apartment complex so they could all live together. It all fell apart when financial impro improprieties were discovered. There was also a lot of sexual affairs and child abuse. Quite a few of those people are now pillars of the community. <laughs> elected, elected officials, town government, school board, teachers, etc. Perfect. Great. Oh my god. A few years ago, two teenagers, a guy and a girl, had to be convinced to stay away from each other and not date, despite their attraction. Literally every adult in their high school and the whole town were in on keeping these two kids apart. 
Turns out they, along with another classmate, were fathered by the same man, the <gasps> town's former Catholic priest. Oh my god, ew. Disgusting. Roanoke Riot of 1893. Hard to believe this happened about four miles from where I'm sitting now. A lynch mob of reportedly over a thousand gathered around the city jail demanding that a black man accused of assaulting a woman on the downtown market be turned over for lynching. The mob fought back against local militias and seized the guy. This disturbing account in the local paper the next day pretty much sums it up. D.V. Reed, who resides at the corner of Franklin Road and Mountain Avenue, saw a group of a dozen men come up the avenue, followed by half a dozen more who were dragging the Negro. When immediately beneath the electric light lamp, the Negro shouted, Oh Lord, have mercy upon me. But his captors hurried him on a few steps to a hickory tree, adjusted a noose around his neck, swung him to a limb, and fired a volley, which was succeeded by two straggling shots. The tree which bore such ghastly fruit is nearly opposite Officer Talley's house, where, as it will be remembered, Lavender was seized on the night of his lynching in January 1892. Many of the neighbors saw the hanging and the shots soon attracted an immense crowd which swelled con constantly until, by daylight, it seemed as though the entire city had poured out to view the swaying form of the Negro, his soiled shirt front dabbled with blood, a true hangman's knot adjusted beneath his ear, on his back a card bearing the inscription, Mayor Trout's friend, and lower down another inscribed, Do not cut him down by order of Judge Lynch. While to his coat tail was pinned a copy of the Times containing an account of the lynching. His eyes protruded from their sockets, his tongue hung down upon his chin, and a, horror, a more horrible spectacle never greeted a glorious autumn sunrise than the body of the rich on account of whose crime half a score of gallant men had laid down their lives and twice as many more been wounded. The scene was viewed by thousands of curious spectators, many of whom eagerly struggled for small pieces of the rope or stripped fragments from the coat of the dead man until the upper portion of the body was almost devoid of clothing. Needless to say, we don't celebrate Roanoke Riot Day here in Roanoke. I lived here for nearly 18 years before I came across any account of this episode. That was a newspaper article? Yeah. That is disgusting. It, yeah. People are, people are fucking nuts. Oh my god, I cannot believe that. It's disturbing as fuck. Yeah. Over the course of several months, three human feet have been found in bushes in our relatively small and quiet town. What? The last was a month ago. Nobody knows what the fuck. <laughs> what? You should just go outside one day and there's a foot. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my gosh, where are these people? <laughs> oh no. Holy shit. That is so crazy. <laughs> It's not a secret, just something not well known, but we have one of the most fucked up big houses around. It was owned by a wealthy white family, surprise, surprise, who were midgets. Oh. They built this big house to fit the standard standards of little people. Oh my gosh. So over, even though it's three stories tall, it looks closer to two and a half. They owned quite a few normal sized servants, though, so they still had to make it so the servants could move around. 
On top of that, they were apparently fucking ruthless in their serv- to their servants and horribly mistreated them Ugh. because they were of normal size and they despised that. Oh, and then one day, the head of the house came home and murdered his whole family with a shotgun before turning it on himself. Oh, my God. That's right. We have a midget-serving, owning, murder-suicide, big little house. (laughs) It's cleverly called the Midget Mansion. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, that's a fucked up story anyway. I would love to go in there. I know. I want to see it. Oh, my gosh. That's so... that's that's a beautiful thing if it didn't turn out oh, that yeah. way. They Holy were obviously shit. fucking crazy. Oh my god. I wonder where it's at. It doesn't say. Huh. We could probably look up Midget Mansion. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Okay, I got two. Both of them concerning me. <laughs> I am a black Asian and African Asian, if you will. Literally, I have I am half Zambian and half Malay. Okay. I was born in Zambia. (laughs) I was born in Zambia in the late 80s in a village that doesn't exist anymore. My parents left that village for reasons that are, to this day, not quite clear to me. It's heavily implied that it was because of my mixed heritage, racial or religious. See, not only are my parents of different races, but also different religions. I get the impression... From what little I know of that time, that they they were driven out because of their union and subsequently myself. I grew up in a tiny backwater fishing village in Malaysia. I grew up without electricity or running water. Schooling was a nightmare. Given Malaysia's turbulent approach to race relations, my existence was largely kept a secret. I was my village's dark secret, literally. Get it? Because I'm half black? Anyhow... (laughs) I was essentially kept hidden from the authorities for a good chunk of my childhood. For a long time, I didn't officially exist. Eventually, my family got the opportunity to move to Singapore. Well, to me, Singapore is heaven. Truly, to me, it is a wonderful place. I was no longer a dark secret. Well, I'm still dark, but no longer a secret. (laughs) I discovered unnatural comforts of civilization, such as running drinkable tap water, electricity, computers, and the internet. I got to go to some great schools. Eventually, I did my IP, IBDP, then did my SATs, and went to my undergrad in the U.S. Now, I'm doing my Ph.D. Nice. That's, That's awesome. It is, it's kind of cute, like a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing, too, where they were not supposed to be together. Oh, no. And they totally did anyway. Yep. We have a large cult of brethren that worship a race of amphibian human-type creatures called the Deep Ones. Huh? Don't come to visit, though. We're not big on strangers. <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if that was a joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you don't get out by a maximum age of 19, you will never get out. It's a black hole that will otherwise keep you here and hold you here until death. Those who do manage to leave don't ever come back except just to visit. It sounds like hyperbole, but it's true. Every single person I know that has moved away, hundreds of people, not one of them has moved back. Meanwhile, all the other ones that have stayed here have continued to and will never move away. Everyone I know jokes about it, but it's not a joke. It's a legitimate (laughs) thing, like some sort of supernatural occurrence. If you move away by the time you're 19, you're fine and you won't be back. Otherwise, you're here for the long haul. Interesting. And that's all I got on that one. 
All right. I got some, uh, their, their family's creepiest stories. Okay. First one, terrifying carnival experience. My grandfather grew up in rural Kansas. When I was growing up, he always refused to go on rides at theme parks and carnivals, and I never knew why. When I got older, my mom finally told me that when my grandpa was at a county fair as a young boy, he was standing in line for a swing ride. There was a young girl on the ride, and as the swings hit full speed, the chains on her seat snapped and she went flying. Oh, my God. She was flung hundreds of feet and was decapitated when she hit a tree branch. He saw the whole thing happen and never went on another ride for the rest of his life. I can't say I blame him. I wouldn't either. Holy shit. That gave me chills. Traumatizing. Next one, this death day curse. Ever since my mom's death in 2007, the day she passed, November 25th, has been cursed for my family. On November 25th, 2008, my granddad had a heart attack. November 25th, 2009, my dad had an aneurysm. November 25th, 2010, my grandma found out she had kidney stones. The list goes on basically every single year since then. There has been something. Crazy. That is crazy. It's like the first one. Okay. Yeah. You know. But then two years after that and then they say it goes on. That's crazy. On that day. Isn't that Thanksgiving? I thought so, too. I think it's the 27th, though, isn't oh, it? Oh, I don't know. It's real close to Thanksgiving. I think it's a different day every year, isn't it? Maybe like the last Thursday of the month. Yeah, I think something like that. So it's close to Thanksgiving, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one, this child's laughter. My very non-dramatic, pragmatic grandmother used to hear children laughing when she, would, when she should logically sh- not have. She'd hear this when she was home alone without kids around, on buses by herself, at work with all adults everywhere. This began happening when my mother was a teenager, so when my grandmother was around 40. Then my equally non-dramatic, pragmatic mother said that she also began hearing the same thing at the same point in her life. I swear I'm three years away from 40, and I am just waiting to hear them any day now. <laughs> Gosh, that would be creepy. That would be. What the You're fuck You're just is waiting that? until you turn 40 to see if you start hearing kids laughing? So weird. <laughs> That is weird. What what is the point of that? I don't know. Maybe it's something in their gene that opens when they're forty. That they, it's something that they hear. That I don't know. That's <laughs> weird. Next one. This actual nightmare. My family passed down the terrifying true story of how my great 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 grandma was buried alive. They found out when plots in her cemetery were being moved around years after her death. And when they opened hers, they found claw marks on the inside. According to everyone, she was also vocally afraid of being buried alive throughout her life, which makes the story even creepier. Yeah. That is horrible. Uh, This inexplicable prediction. When my great-grandfather died, my great-grandmother had her name preemptively added to his tombstone. However, they also added the year of her death as 195 blank, leaving a blank spot for a specific year. My grandpa, her son, was furious that they assumed his mother would die in the 1950s, but she ended up dying in late December 1959. That is weird. That Why is weird. you put that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I give you 10 years. <laughs> Rude. Seriously. 
What if I don't want to die until the 60s? <laughs> oh my gosh. Next one, this Ouija board no-no. One story my parents used to tell us about uh, was my older cousin's birthday when someone was dumb enough to buy him a Ouija board. Here's what happened. All kids gathered around the table. What's your name? My cousin asked. No response. My other cousin got more aggressive and said, if you're not a coward, then spell your name. All of a sudden, four letters pop up. Z-O, Z-O. Oh, no. Everyone was scared out of their mind, and to make it even better, all the pictures on the mantle suddenly fell off. Needless to say, no one in the extended family was allowed to use Ouija boards. <laughs> when will people learn? I never. <laughs> uh, this witch lineage. A maternal ancestor of mine, one Alice Lake, was hung as a witch in Salem, Massachusetts, about 50 years before the infamous witch trials even began. According to our family legend, this was because she truly was a witch, and her power survived in her children, who have passed it down the line to us. Crazy. Hmm. Uh, this haunted home. According to my mom and her sisters, they lived in a haunted house in Northern California while they were growing up, and they all had creepy experiences in it. The creepiest story they tell is the one is that one night when there was a storm and a power outage, my aunt went downstairs where her bedroom was to get matches. She couldn't see anything, but then suddenly a small light lit up the room. She turned around and saw an old woman in the reflection of her vanity mirror holding a candle to help her see. I got chills. That is creepy. <laughs> Next one, this teen terror. My dad and my aunt always tell us the story about two elderly witches who were sisters that lived together in a creepy house near theirs in Indiana. The woman would chase my dad and my aunt when they were teens in a pickup truck with a shotgun. One time, one of the women even jumped on the hood of their car as they were driving by the house. While I'm not sure how witchy these two women actually were, the house itself sure was creepy. Since my dad and my aunt would drive by it as kids while they told us the tale. Weird. That is weird. <laughs> Why did it have to happen in Indiana? <laughs> oh. You think we're going to be those sisters yeah. when, we're, when we're old? We're old and bored. What do you well, want to do today? Two witchy sisters. Let's jump on a hood of a car. <laughs> And shoot at some teens. Shit out of somebody. <laughs> okay, this odd death. While this may not be creepy in a traditional sense, it still is a really weird family story. Basically, my great-grandpa served in World War II, but the circumstances surrounding his death were incredibly suspicious. They found his body abandoned in a burned car with his uniform missing, and then later, another dead soldier was found with my great-grandpa's uniform and all of his documents, like his passport and ID. Also, my great-grandma grandma wasn't allowed to see his body, and they hardly answered any questions she had about his death. To this day, my family believes that my great-grandpa was very likely a spy, which is kind of cool. Hmm. That's interesting. Yes. Uh, this strange disappearance. According to my family, my great-great-great-great-grandfather decided to travel from his home in Utah and visit his daughter in Nevada. His horse and buggy returned to town just fine without him. They found his bones the next summer, and it's largely suspected he was murdered by the people in the town because he wouldn't give up 
the water rights to his property. Wow, shit. Uh, This mysterious demise. My family had a lot of creepy stories about people accidentally dying under very odd circumstances. The two that stick out the most for me are when my great-great-grandma was smoking a cigarette and accidentally lit her bathrobe and then herself on fire, thus killing herself. And then my great-great-great-grandpa fell off his tractor and it ran him over, killing him instantly. Dang, I have some bad luck. Yeah. Uh, And my last one, this holiday tragedy. One Christmas morning, my great-grandfather went outside to get water from the well and never came back. When my great-grandmother went out to investigate, she saw his hat resting solemnly on the rim of the well. She slowly peered over the edge and was greeted with his shadowy, lifeless form at the bottom. Was he pushed? Did he trip? Did he jump? No one knows. It's often argued about at family reunions when the main point of contention of being why his hat was placed so perfectly on the rim. Hmm. Weird. That is very interesting. And those were mine. For okay. It's time for the witty wrap-up. Yay, witty wrap-up! I really miss my kids being young, not because of their cuteness, but because I used to tell them that things were closed when it was raining, and they <laughs> believed me. <laughs> that is a great thing. You can totally tell them anything. Oh, They'd be yeah. like, okay. <laughs> My toddler wanted to take a spatula to the zoo, and after a fierce round of negotiations, I was able to talk her down to a spatula and a throw pillow. What? Maybe instead of a spatula, a throw pillow? Kids are weird. It must have been. They didn't type it right. (laughs) Okay. Today, my seven-year-old came into the room crying. I asked him what happened, and he said that his five-year-old brother put 80 cows in his house in Minecraft while he was offline, and that it was entirely too many cows. And honest to Christ, I have no idea how to parent any of this. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a new one. That's hilarious. (laughs) I'm eating the potato off my three-year-old's french fries because he doesn't like potato, in case you wondered if parenting was right for you. How do you eat the potato off of a french fry? It's all potato. (laughs) Weird. No one wants your attention more than a kid in the back seat of a vehicle you're driving while you're trying to locate an address. I know. My kids always... Oh, Mom, I meant to show you this video when I'm driving. I'm like, dude. And they're teenagers. (laughs) I'm like, I can't look at that right now. Are you kidding? (laughs) They're so oblivious. (laughs) Today was a very special occasion for my five-year-old. It was the first time he called his mommy bro. Oh, my God. I can't tell you how many times I've been called bro. (laughs) Bruh. When they're older, they want to hang with me, I think, as my kids have 15 things to tell me while I'm on the toilet. <laughs> it's, why? Why does that happen? I don't know. Overheard a teenage girl ask her dad to explain what started World War II. He tried to play it cool, but I could see it in his eyes. This was the moment he had been waiting for for 15 years. <laughs> oh, God, buckle up. <laughs> You're going to regret that. <laughs> 
My kids can lose something I bought them for $20 and up and not even flinch, but could lose a stick they found in the yard and cry about it for hours. <laughs> yeah, that's typical. Nobody is more drunk with power than a teenage lifeguard with a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> me. Uh, why do my kids never listen and keep ignoring me? My microwave. Beep, beep, beep. For the 72nd time, try this coffee mug out. Or take this coffee mug out. Yeah. We don't pay attention either. <laughs> no. My youngest is named Rose, and she has spent all of early June walking around the neighborhood, looking at everything in bloom and whispering, It's my season. Give me this energy. <laughs> That's cute. Sally just made me sing My Little Pony song for her. I complied, and then she said, Do it again, but without the, all those bumps in your voice. Sally didn't like my vibrato, and now I'm self-conscious. <laughs> The bumps in your voice. That's cute. <laughs> My six-year-old loves bananas and loves pancakes, but when Daddy makes banana pancakes, I'm the worst dad ever. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I wore red lipstick today, and my four four-year-old, while wearing his underpants inside out, boldly informed me that I look like the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> What a Kids asshole. are so mean. <laughs> but damn it, you gotta listen. <laughs> you look like the Joker. <laughs> With his underpants inside out. <laughs> Typical male. <laughs> I just told my daughter that when I was a kid, our TV only had four channels, and she rolled her eyes and said, Okay, Mom, whatever. And now I'm starting to wonder if maybe my father did walk to school uphill both ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they don't believe her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Push me more medium-er, three-year-old <laughs> on swing, dropping perhaps the most three-year-old-like comment imaginable. <laughs> medium or how is, what what is that my kid told me he deserved more cheese and who am i to argue with that <laughs> okay my rating system for kids birthday parties beer for parents five stars no beer for parents zero stars i am on board with that my seven-year-old is either very shy in front of people or she's already given them our social security numbers <laughs> If you have a kid who showers on their own, you have to remind them to use soap and shampoo every so often, otherwise they forget those products exist. <laughs> I learned this the hard way after my son asked me what the soap looked like. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> what soap? What's that? <laughs> and that's all I got. Alright. Well, thank you guys for listening. Send us your stories. We need them. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com can look us up on facebook request to join the group uh rate review and subscribe wherever you listen and we will talk to you next week later bye